2: University of Alabama Athletics, Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com, with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. The show is always brought to you by Peter Brook Chocolatier, out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard, north in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. The countdown to Halloween is on. It's coming up this Saturday. Going to be interesting. Not only do you have the COVID-19 situation to consider, with the trick-or-treaters you also have alabama football saturday night at bryant denny stadium six thirty kickoff alabama mississippi state there uh off university boulevard so that'll certainly be something to consider as well but you can go by peterbrook and take care of all your halloween treat needs right now it's easy go ahead do it peterbrook chocolatier 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. Joined on the program by executive producer of Southern Fried Sports, Jacob Harrison, who together we combine to form the 60 Minute Man of Sports Talk Radio. A busy weekend for Jacob Harrison, best I can tell. A very busy weekend. No rest for the weary for Jacob Harrison. Is that correct?
3: Extremely correct. Uh, Saturday was a full day. <laughs> As soon as I get home, watch the Steelers game, take a four-hour
2: nap immediately following victory. Had to be happy with the results up there in uh, the Music City yesterday. Had to hang on a little bit. Got a little tight, but uh, got the job done nonetheless. Steelers only undefeated team in the National Football League. Am I correct on that, Jacob? 110% correct. You know who's pulling against you guys right now, right? I mean, you know What's left of the 1972 Steelers, uh, Dolphins, excuse me, you know, the undefeated 1972 Dolphins. They like to see that last undefeated team in a National Football League season go down. So uh, you got the 72 Dolphins, uh, Bob Greasy and the fellas cheering against you. But the Steelers, man, impressive. Grew up a Steelers fan. You know, I may have told this story before. It's probably an awful thing to just broadcast out there. But I had a stepdad back in the 70s that I disliked so much. And he was a Cowboys fan. He was a big Roger Staubach Dallas Cowboys fan. And I disliked this guy so much that I sort of just became a Steelers fan because you had the seventy Steelers. With Bradshaw and Stalworth and Swan and Franco Harris and Jack Lambert, Mean Joe Green, L.C. Greenwood, Mel Blunt, the whole deal. And so I got a lot of joy out of his agony when the Steel Curtain and the Steelers would take out his Cowboys in a couple of those Super Bowls. So there you go. A Paul Harvey version of the rest of the story there hey we're taking your phone calls on this winners and losers monday by the way 205-342-9904 that is the peterbrook chocolatier studio line if you'd like to jump on with us if you would like to share your thoughts from the sports weekend that was so much stuff going on and of course it's all started right around here with the four saturday in october as it was in 2020 the alabama crimson tide 48 to 17 winners over the tennessee vols 14 straight now i said it before uh the freshman daughter at ua was in pre-k4 the last time alabama (laughs) lost to tennessee so an enormous streak grows uh to a full 14 now as we know there was not all good news to come out of Knoxville as Jalen Waddle on the game's opening kickoff goes out with that ankle injury initially, at least at halftime there in his CBS interview, Nick Saban went ahead and declared Jalen Waddle out for the remainder of the season post game. He didn't seem as sure about that. it, It still seemed like it was all but a certainty. Uh, but tough news, nonetheless, first of all, you hate it for Jalen Waddle off to such a great start to his junior season, uh, had the four straight 100 yard receiving games, very much trending in a direction as a high first round pick for the 2021 NFL draft. And that may very well still be the case in terms of tape. I don't think Jalen Waddle needed to put a whole lot more out there. For his draft status, what it becomes now is more about the extent of the injury in the eyes of the National Football League, especially when you consider what makes Jalen Waddell what he is. And, of course, that speed. And it is also, though, short space quickness, you know, his ability to really change direction, get to top speed in a very expeditious manner. So we'll see how that goes. Certainly hoping for nothing but the best for Jalen Waddle. As for what it means to this Alabama football team, well, the thing about it happening on the game's opening kickoff is that you got a pretty good idea about all that because it was Slade Bolden who jumped in there as the number three receiver. Now, he was in pretty much Jalen's role throughout the game. and hey, don't move Jalen around now. Jalen's not just limited to being a slot guy. But as far as putting Bolden in the backfield at times, motioning him, high motion, those type of things that you see Steve Sarkeesian do a good bit with Jalen Waddell, that was still uh, what Slay Bolden was asked to do on Saturday. John Mechie with another huge game. work, uh, Workmanlike, lunch pail-like performance from Devontae Smith. Seven catches, 73 yards, but Mechie with the big game. With 151 total, And I thought Bolden was really good. You know, he had the fumble there that you didn't like. Alabama's long turnover of the game, trying to make a little extra, put the football out there, didn't have it in tight enough, loses a fumble. But otherwise, you know, these Alabama receivers, even without Jalen Waddell, they do not drop the football. Mac Jones was really good once again on Saturday. Came out 11 straight completions, gave him 19 in a row, new record for ua football 19 consecutive completions uh, eclipsing the previous mark set by greg mcelroy back in the 2010 season but let me say this and i love mac just like everybody else his receivers help him out and those 11 straight to start the game saturday there were at least three where guys made big time plays for him devontae smith on the slant where targeting was initially called, but then overturned. I still don't understand, by the way, how you overturn that. You know, I mean, I don't think the intent from the UT safety was malicious in any way. He did not launch. I get all that. But if you do not see what you're hitting, in other words, if your eyes are not up, and you go to the head and neck area, I don't know how that's not targeting by the letter of the law, especially when it's called that on the field. So I thought they missed that one in the replay booth. I don't, I still don't understand how that's overturned, but Devontae makes a heck of a catch on that one. Devontae down inside the five on a little comeback makes a heck of a grab high into his left. And then Slade Bolden made a really nice catch there in the second quarter in the middle of the field. So again, not to take anything away from Mac, because I thought Mac was really good, but your receivers, man, they they are critical, obviously, to having those type of streaks. I'll say this about Devontae Smith too. Noted it on the round table there at BamaOnline.com. We do our we do our Monday video clips. If you haven't seen those yet, those are a lot of fun there on the round table. And the thread is up right now. UT clips on the premium message board there at Bama online. I go through, I pick out some clips from each game, post them. We talk about them. We have some football talk fun is what it essentially is. And with Devontae right now, you look at his yards per catch average. It's under 13, which that's still, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of 13 will still work. But for him, compared to his career numbers prior to this season, that's down a little bit. But I'll tell you what else to do when you look at Devontae's yards-per-catch numbers, go look at the yards-per-catch for John Mechie. And go look at the yards-per-catch even on, say, Saturday for Slade Bolden. And I say that because the attention that, that Devontae Smith still attracts, especially when he takes a vertical route down the field, it is immense You know, John Mechie right now is averaging almost 24 yards per catch through five games. He has right at 500 receiving yards on just 21 catches, John Mechie. Slade Bolden on Saturday averaged nearly 16 yards per catch. So, Devontae, he impacts things tremendously. Najee Harris does too, you know. Najee Harris on that RPO action, those inside linebackers, they still have to check him first. In fact, Mack, on the one really nice catch by Devontae Smith inside the five, um, it was off pistol action, and the two inside linebackers for Tennessee and the free safety got sucked up. And Mack had John Mechie on an inside route wide open for a touchdown. He still went to Devontae. Devontae made a heck of a grab, but it just shows you the sort of extra attention that some of these guys attract. And now with Jalen Waddle out, That will continue to be the case, so it's going to be up to guys like Mechie and Bolden and, on occasion, tight end miller Forrestall to deliver in the passing game. And as much as anything right now, with Waddle out, you can't afford another injury to one of your top guys as far as the skill positions go. Najee, um, uh, Mechie, Devontae, got to keep those guys healthy. 205 342 9904. We'll get into the defensive side of things for Alabama coming up in a little bit, too. And at the bottom of the hour, we're going to hear from Hank South. Big recruiting news yesterday for the Alabama Crimson Tide. Jaquincy McKinstry, the five star cornerback from Pinson Valley High School, announces he too will sign with the Alabama Crimson Tide. He becomes the fifth five star for the 2021 cycle, according to the 24 uh, 7 Sports Composite. Player rankings, anyway, to verbal to Nick Saban and UA. We'll get Hank's thoughts on that. And what about the potential? The potential, anyway. I don't think it's going to happen. But when you look at the guys that Nate Oates and the Alabama men's basketball team are still in on for this 2021 cycle, could you have? Is there at least the possibility of number one classes in both football and men's hoops? Let's go to the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line right now, though. And check in with a very happy, I would imagine, Ellis up in Manchester, Tennessee. Your buddy your buddy Ellis said to bucket this year. This was the year, Ellis, that Tennessee would end the streak. Yeah. And Uh, that did not
4: happen. Before the the ball game, he had a different change of heart because of what Kentucky Mm done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, you told you know, us about that
2: last week. And then, by the way, then Kentucky goes on the road and lays an egg against a Missouri team that's improving. You talk about a win that's looking better for Alabama now, that season opening win over Missouri. Missouri's now won a couple in a row and will go to Florida, a game back in the SEC Eastern Division standings this week.
4: Well, that's what I thought. And uh, it looks good on us that
2: a uh, and is doing good. Yeah, those are a couple wins that continue to add luster. You're right. A and M bouncing back and beating Florida and then uh taking care of business against a Mississippi State team that's really been struggling since beating L S U in the opener. So uh yeah, things can change quickly, you know. Uh but uh
4: yeah, I went into I went into church yesterday and, you know, before before church started, you know, where when you walk in, you know, you sit down, everybody's talking, looking back, talking, social distancing, by the way. Uh, and I walk in and I just go, roll tide, everybody.
2: <laughs> Ellis is that guy at church on Sundays after wins. Yeah. yeah. You know? That guy, yeah. He's that but, guy. Uh, he is that guy. Yeah. yeah. I've,
4: I've had a blast so far. Uh, that's what it is. You know, when you live up here, they wouldn't give you a break.
2: No, no. No, no. I can tell you, look, I grew up in Northeast Florida, Alice, Okay. And I was down there when Steve Spurrier did his thing at Florida for a decade. You talk about tough living, huh? All those Gator fans. Oh, they yeah. were pretty tough there for oh, a decade.
4: Yeah. Uh. I heard you this morning on the the show up there in Huntsville.
2: Yeah. It was on with the, Drew and Scott and the fellas up there in the Tennessee yeah, Valley.
4: I, I, I listen in on them in the morning time. All right. All right.
2: Uh, you're, you're plugged in. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Got two apps, two radio apps on my phone. Wired uh, up. But Wired up. It's. It's bad that uh, we lost uh, Waddle, but it's crazy that people are blaming the coach on him getting out there and getting hurt.
2: Yeah, there's been some of that. I don't think there's been a ton. Um, you know, my, my answer to that or my question to those people that are of that belief is, did they feel that way last November when Waddle took the kickoff against Auburn 98 yards for a touchdown? You know, no, they didn't feel that way. I, I didn't. I you didn't know? hear all the concern. I didn't hear all the concern when that happened. You know, Jalen Waddle is synonymous with the return game. Before Jalen Waddle did what he did in the first four games of this season and kind of down the stretch of last season as a receiver on a consistent basis, anyway, he was first mm-hmm. and foremost a return guy. You know, when when you ask NFL people. How do you sort of designate Jalen Waddell? They'll tell you he's a slash. He's a wide receiver slash return man. That's what he is. You know, it would be one thing. It would be one thing if you had Najee Harris back there. Najee Harris is never going to return a kick in the National Football League. I don't think he
4: is. No, no. He's not. He's and, not and, 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 and a, and a guy not like that gets
2: hurt or a corner. That's not going to return kicks at the next level. Jalen Waddle is a return guy. That's what he is before he's ever been a receiver. So, yeah, I mean, there's going to be some of that, but in that particular instance, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me, anyway.
4: But, uh, but you know, and and you know, it. Uh, but it, one thing I'm going to miss, Travis, is uh, him out there playing and and I always watching. And I don't know if you'd watch him close, but watch his face. He's always got a smile on his face out there on that field.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of <laughs> lot of positive energy that comes from uh, yeah, a guy key like Jalen Waddle, you know, and
4: key his key teammates feed
3: off of it, it too.
4: I'm that's what I'm gonna miss. I'm gonna miss him. His electrifying plays, but mm-hmm. watching the young man out there playing and showing how happy he is. Yeah, and hey, I know you got. I know you got to go, but one more thing. What about
2: uh, the gap is closing? I don't know about you, but the gap is closing. Well, you know what? Alabama didn't throw a touchdown pass in the game. Maybe that's what Jeremy Pruitt was referring to and saying the gap had closed. Because (laughs) uh, that was the first 47-game touchdown streak came to an end in Knoxville. Alabama did not throw for a touchdown pass. So there's something maybe... Jeremy and the balls can hang their hats what off.
4: it is, but I believe I would just kept my mouth
2: shut. <laughs> All right, Alice. Have a great rest of your day, my friend. All right, Row Tide. There he goes, Alice checking in. Celebratory, Alice up in Manchester, Tennessee. Back to the Peterbrook Chocolatier Studio. line before we head to a break, we have Jr. ready to go here on a Monday morning. Jr., how you doing? I'm doing great. Good morning to you.
1: Good morning. I, I um yeah. I'd like to seen uh, Waddle take a knee instead of trying to run that ball out, but uh, nonetheless, can't complain because yeah, he's so excited. You never know; he could have broke it uh, instead. Yeah, of way, I mean,
2: broke, if you're geez. if you're gonna put him out there, you can tell him. And I know Nick said this to CBS that that deep in the end zone, you're not supposed to run it out. But you know, the comparison I made post game is you know, there's. There's in baseball. There's guys with three zero counts. You know, you're not supposed to always swing three zero, but you're going to give them the green light. They they can swing three zero. There's pitchers on three two counts that, you know, you wouldn't think should be throwing breaking balls on three two counts, but they they can. So they do. So I kind of look at Jalen that way, and uh, you too. know, in retrospect, yeah. it's it's just a shame for him as much yeah. as anything. I think it's ridiculous, though, to blame the coach, you know. I mean, yeah. come on. Hello? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I just, okay. talked, yeah. about that. Talk. just talked about uh, that with Ellis. All
1: right, now I got a question for you. Um, now, Bolton was brought in. Mm-hmm. What is our situation with backups now? I mean, who we got there now that's, that we can count on to, have to kind of relieve you know, the other players or, or – uh, You know, heaven forbid we have another injury.
2: Yeah, I mean, based on how it sort of played out during the game, the next guy after Bolden that I saw was Javon Baker, the true freshman. And there's been a lot of positive buzz about him in the lead-up to the season. They traveled all three of their true freshman wide receivers, Treshawn Holden, Tyu Jones-Bell. But I believe it was Joshua Lanier, a red shirt senior walk-on that you saw out there late in the game with Bryce young and those younger receivers, uh, in Holden and also, uh, Baker. So he might be a guy that gets a shot here. And, you know, Xavier Williams is a guy that's been around for a few years now. I uh, didn't see him on Saturday, but that's, that's kind of the pool you're working with. And I also think Jr. You know, they can go with some two tight end sets. I think they've done more of that this year than they did the previous few years. But two tight ends has been a staple of Nick Saban offenses at Alabama. And you get Carl Tucker healthy, and you hope Miller Forrestall isn't dinged even even more so after his shoulder uh, or arm deal that he had on Saturday. And you know, there's a couple different ways, couple different ways you can cover. But if nothing else, just in terms of the potential for another injury you got to get one of these other guys really ramped up pretty quickly here.
1: How much different will the uh, offensive plays be affected with the loss of Waddle, being that they really relied on him as a deep ball? Are they going to throw more screen passes, more passes to the running backs, or what? I think I feel they like-
2: can still get vertical with Mechie.
1: You know, Mechie oh, yeah, two, I know. I realize two. that, but it's just with the two of them, it just really made it – Almost impossible for the well, uh, opponent three. to. Uh, I mean, you had
2: to, you had Devonte Waddle and Mechie, but yeah, I mean, you know, I, I guess it just means Alabama's back to being mortal because you know <laughs> the previous three years, what the previous three years and into this year, that's not normal across college football. You usually don't have three or four guys on the field together. That can all take off the top of the defense, yeah. but and just nightmare of yeah. the
1: defense, yeah, yeah. That that
2: that may be the the biggest difference, and just the ability to just get Jalen. will we talk about the deep ball, but the thing with Jalen is you can just swing it to him, you can throw it out hot to him, you it can just, jet sweep it to him. You got to
1: follow that ball and get up there and get yeah. it,
2: you know. Yeah, and I, I'm not sure you're going to be able to do that with with Slade Bolden as much, but. Um, he did great though i, I no, he mad. was he was i thought you know other than the fumble he was he, if they can if they can keep what they had Saturday intact they are still going to be very good offensively you don't have another Jalen waddle so that that that's, goes without saying but right. they are still good enough if they can keep this intact that they can they can score points on just about anybody and maybe keep that national championship in sight well we'll see I think it I think it's very very reasonable still we'll see Yeah. well great great talking to you Travis appreciate you you too JR in. I enjoyed the, ta- ta- the chat thanks Everybody. for the call there he goes JR checking in on a Monday morning yeah with Waddle the thing too is that pre-snap Sark had really utilized him in a lot of motion stuff and influencing defenses a certain way um You know, and it also helps even in your protection of Mac Jones because he's not a runner. But, uh, you know, you'll be interested to see how much defenses are impacted now with, say, Slade Bolden more in that role. And you'll still see Devontae doing some stuff uh, motion-wise and on jet sweeps. Maybe Mechie gets some of that cranked up more now. Maybe Mechie becomes more of what Waddle was and... You know, Bolden is is more of just a pure third receiver. We'll see. You know Sark's got some stuff he'll have. Going to head to a break. We come back. More Southern Fried Sports on a Monday presented by Peter Brook Chocolatier right after this. A
0: mild afternoon, the sky partly sunny, the high 78. Tonight becoming mostly cloudy with a low at 62. Tomorrow, a mix of sun and clouds, a small chance of a shower, the high 80. Wednesday, cloudy and breezy with rain much of the day. The high Wednesday at 78. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. Tide 100.9. For more coverage of Alabama football, visit us at Tide100.9.com or download the free Tide 100.9 app. The Crimson Tide!
2: of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryder, senior analyst for BamaOnline.com, with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. The show, as always, brought to you in part by Houston Hydrosteam. Never a bad time to get involved with Houston Hydrosteam. Going to take care of your carpets, your rugs, your tile, your grout cleaning, even your furniture. You're going to be able to get that upholstery freshened up, and you're going to extend the life of that upholstery, of that furniture, of the rugs, of the carpets. Let them handle it for you today. That's Houston Hydrosteam, home of the Houston Rug Revival, 205-553-9460. We recently experienced that Houston Rug Revival firsthand. I can tell you it's out of this world. It's outstanding, 205 553 9460 Houston Hydrestein quality work you can stand on another week another SEC offensive player of the week honor for Mac Jones the redshirt junior quarterback for the Alabama Crimson Tide once again for the third time this season Mac Jones has been selected as the SEC's offensive player of the week actually sharing it how about this for some Tuscaloosa flavor for this week's sec co-offensive players of the week you've got mac jones as the alabama quarterback and he is sharing the award with seth williams former bryant stampede multi-sport star seth williams came up huge late in that auburn old miss game rusty told you didn't he didn't rusty tell you last week as much as rusty is a big fan of the home dogs what did he tell you to do Yeah, Rusty, we got to let you take a little victory lap. Jacob, give him an extra snossage for that one. He gets an extra treat. Maybe an extra pepperoni for Rusty. Now, Rusty was 2-2 and on the week with his home dogs, but he did say he was very emphatic about take Auburn and lay the three on the road. Now, look, how Auburn got there... With the controversial kickoff return that was touched but wasn't called, now look, the man he doesn't care about all that. The man just looks at the numbers, and that's all it's based on for the man. So uh, Seth Williams with the game-winning touchdown grab over the Ole Miss Rebels, and uh, look, you know, there's a there's a real possibility, some would say a probability. That the Auburn Tigers should be what one in four now, and uh, fortunate to be where they're at after some controversial non calls, I guess you could say, against both Arkansas and Ole Miss. But there they are, still in the mix in the SEC West. Got LSU coming up this week. Um, or next, I thought that was uh, I thought that was uh, I thought that was certainly uh. An interesting scenario sequence there late in that old Miss game. Here's what. Here's the thing, though. I thought the Arkansas blown call was worse because the early whistle and the negation, the the negating of the backward pass there from from Bo Nix on that on that spike against Arkansas. If that's called correctly, the game is over at that point. Okay. I mean, Saturday, they missed it a couple different ways. You know, and the thing is, you didn't give it the proper review after a kickoff. And I don't think there was the commercial. I think they went ready for play and kept going. They kept playing there. There wasn't a commercial break in between. But you still had time to give that the proper review. And it just reeked of laziness, negligence, whatever you want to call it, uh, by the SEC replay people there. It was, uh, it was not good. That said, Ole Miss still had opportunities to win that game. You know, Arkansas, if the if the whistle isn't blown early on the backward spike, there's a clear recovery there by Arkansas. The game's over. That's it. We're going to head to a break. When we come back, we have got Hank South, recruiting analyst for BamaOnline.com, joining us on Southern Fried Sports on a Monday, presented by Peter Brook Chocolates here right after this.
0: Um <laughs>
2: More of a Monday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on your home for University of Alabama Athletics, Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryer senior analyst for BamaOnline.com with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. It is a McKinstry Monday in a lot of ways as the Alabama Crimson Tide on a very newsy football weekend capped it with a commitment from five-star cornerback Ja'Quincy Kool-Aid McKinstry from over there at Penson Valley High School. Joining us to talk about that right now, BOL recruiting analyst Hank South. He has been all over this situation for quite some time now. And with that, Hank, I knew that uh, you had a decent confidence level, I guess, going into this thing on Sunday, that it would be Alabama. Uh, for Jaquincy McKintree but I guess you never really know right until you hear
3: these young people utter the words in a lot of cases yeah you you really do never know and and it was kind of you know there's always that little nervous feeling you know have as a recruiting analyst on decision day you know when you when you've made your prediction especially you know we're talking about the about the year anniversary uh, of Eric Gilbert's decision when uh, when he committed LSU and shocked everyone so you always have to watch out for that recruiting You know, things can happen. But no, we we felt um, pretty good. Bama had the best shot entering Sunday to get him over Auburn and LSU. And and that's what ended up happening.
2: So in your viewpoint, what is Alabama getting into Quincy McKinstry? Obviously a guy, too, that accomplished on the basketball court. So uh,
3: really dynamic in in a couple of different ways, I guess. Yeah, that's a good word to put it. You know, dynamic athlete. You know, he can he can play both sides of the ball. He plays basketball. He can kind of just do it all. You know, a lot of people think he can just be a receiver at the college level. I was talking to Sam Shade, um, the Pinson Valley head coach, former Alabama player, um, about it. And he was saying, you know, when he first watched his tape, he, w- he was shocked people weren't recruiting him as a receiver. Um, and, and, you know, some people, some schools were. You know, Auburn was recruiting him both ways. And you never know what could end up happening, you know, once he um, gets into the college program and, and, and you know few years down the line but cornerback is where where bama has been recruiting him and you know he has that length um you know he has that athleticism he's got the hips you know he has everything you kind of want in a uh in a cornerback prospect barton simmons actually broke it down really well on that cbs hq uh, broadcast on sunday kind of um shedding light into why he's the number one rated cornerback in the country and he can even you know he can play in safety too he can play all over and that's kind of the theme of you know defensive back recruiting for alabama but, um, you know, I think he has a has a bright future at the cornerback position. And, you know, we'll see with basketball, um, you know, Nate Oates, um, they gave him the opportunity to play um, or that, you know, they, they uh, you know, offered him um, in February. Obviously, it's not a scholarship offer since he's going to be playing football. But, um, you know, we'll see how that kind of pans out. I saw um, J.D. Davis and Bama's five star uh, point guard commit tweeting it. Um, Ju Quincy last last night with the. Uh, The uh, the LeBron D. Wade graphic that that I guess Bama made. Um, So uh, he's expecting to play basketball. So we'll see. It'll be interesting to follow.
2: What does this mean in terms of the class of 2021 team recruiting rankings? Because it seems like it's pretty much a two-horse race right now with Alabama and Ohio State. Alabama picks up its fifth five-star for the cycle. And JaQuincy McKinstry almost – appropriate i guess you could say in an election year uh the electoral college here down the stretch <laughs> hank what needs to happen you know we're, we're gonna have you as sort of our election uh expert here what what states i guess uh, could you say that that alabama needs to win here down the stretch to hold on to that number one ranking
3: yeah you know it, it seems pretty evident that that uh Bama and ohio state have kind of pulled away from the pack um in terms of you know this this race for number one obviously you know georgia LSU, um, Oregon's even in there, but um, you know I think it's it's clear it's going to be Alabama or Ohio State, and, and it seems like Bama, you know, with with uh, McKinstry's commitment, they they've kind of really strengthened their grasp on it. Um, entering yesterday, it was like 304.25 um, to Ohio State's 304.22, so it was like that close of a difference with the commitment. Bama's up to 310.25 to Ohio State's 3 uh, 304.22, so. Um, They've got a pretty healthy six point lead on Ohio State that there's you know, there's not a lot of cross uh, or a lot of mutual targets between Bama um, and Ohio State. One that kind of already helped um, Alabama earlier, um, you know, back in August was when Team Mise Adelie decommitted from Ohio State. He was kind of one of those swing guys that, um, you know, could could maybe ultimately um, be the difference um, between Bama and. In Ohio State for number one, you know, had he stuck with Ohio State, that that would keep them, you know, that would have had them at number one yesterday, um, and, you know, keeping it a little bit tighter of a race. Um, obviously, you know, J T. Tuimolo, the the five-star defensive lineman from Washington, um, that's looks like it's an Alabama Ohio State battle along with some of those Pac-12 programs out there. Um, so he could certainly be be a guy that kind of figures into that that um, you know, the final um, breakdown. But you know, if you look at Bama's remaining targets, they're all Top 100 guys. There's not really many, um, you know, um, lower ranked guys. So any anybody they add or, or you know are, are in position to add down the stretch, it's just going to keep boosting them higher and higher. So you know, I, I think Bama has a pretty good shot to, to hold on to this thing, um, you know, come February. So you mentioned a couple
2: of them, but maybe some priority guys still to be considered, even in the secondary, as Alabama looks to close this class. Uh, Hank, what, uh, maybe a guy or two specifically, uh, again, in addition to what you just outlined for us there, uh, is Terry and Arnold still in mm-hmm. that mix? Guys like that that, that yeah. the Crimson Tide would like to close with?
3: Yeah, and th- that was kind of the question a lot of people had is, you know, with, with McKinstry, how does that affect Terry and Arnold? And, and you know, it doesn't. You know, he's, he's a guy that, that Bama still really covets and, and has for a long time. It's, about a, it's been about a year since they've offered him. You know, they've been after him really hard ever since. Um, and, and so, you know, he's still heavily in the mix. I think he's putting out a top five here soon. Um, and, you know, he, he's been pretty adamant about, you know, he's taking his recruitment to February um, before he announces a decision. But Bama's right there for him um, as far as guys in the secondary. Um, Georgia, Florida are also heavily in it for him as well. Um, you know, say Ryan, the, the, the safety from Louisiana, he's a guy that, you know, we, we interviewed a few weeks back and he was saying he's talking to Bama every day. Um, he's rated the number one safety in the country out of Louisiana, obviously has some really strong ties to LSU. Um, his, his uncles, the, or his cousins, the running backs coach, um, and, and his uncle played at LSU. He's in Lafayette. Um, so certainly LSU seems to be the team to beat, but he, he's, you know, he's still in the mix. He has a top three right now about to put out a top two and bam is in that. Um, so, so he's one to watch Jordan Gilbert, another guy out of Louisiana. That's another defensive back. has liked a lot since offering earlier in the spring. So, there's still some guys on the board certainly that the Bama is, is pursuing in the secondary, despite you know adding JaQuincy McKinstry on Sunday.
2: Seems like a, a great year in terms of defensive back depth in this class because right here locally, Kamari Lassiter, a really mm-hmm. good player from American Christian Academy, just last week commits to Georgia. Yeah, uh, Tuscaloosa guy headed to Athens. Is is that pretty much the case? It you know you, you never can have enough corners as we know, but it, it seems like uh maybe there's there's more depth here in the in the back end of the defense in this cycle
3: yeah it, it does seem that way and i think you know it's an important year for that obviously you know we kind of circled that entering the year as far as um, the secondary being a needs per, uh, particularly cornerback with the uh, well, you know with the thought that Certains likely going to turn pro potentially Josh Job. you know, you know, entering the year, we didn't really know on Ronald Williams. He, he could have been a one and done type guy too, obviously, you know, with his injury, that's kind of set him back a little bit. So, uh, but yeah, you know, to, to have um, this much depth and this much talent in the class, it was, it was an important year um, for Alabama and, you know, they're, they're benefiting from it. Tough, tough Saturday
2: for Alabama from an injury perspective, obviously with Jalen Waddell going out with the ankle injury I wanted to ask you, Hank, when you look at last year's signees, Treshawn Holden, Javon Baker, uh, Tyu Jones-Bell, and then consider the players Alabama has committed for this cycle at the position, is there one of those guys between the six or so, between last year and this year, that you look at and think, that guy could end up being Waddle-like at least. I'm not going to put anything on a young player to be the next Jalen Waddle, but maybe in terms of his skill set and and the way he plays and the things he's able to do, who who would you go with uh, among those guys?
3: Yeah, I think on that one it's an, it's a no brainer. And obviously, like you say, you don't want to put those kind of expectations for you know what Jalen Waddle's been to, been able to accomplish. But you know, Christian Leary, um the wide receiver from from Orlando that committed to Alabama back in the summer, I think he's the most Waddle like. And and even when you talk to him. You know, that's kind of been, um, you know, what they've been aiming for in in recruiting him and pitching Alabama to him. And, you know, what receiver wouldn't like that kind of recruiting pitch um, to kind of watch Jalen Waddle, see what he does and then say, you know, that's what we want you to do. So, um, you know, he's one of those just another one of those dynamic athletes. You know, he can take the top off the defense. He can really he's a scoring threat from literally anywhere on the field, whether it, it be on offense in the return game. Um so you know, he he's he's that exciting of a of a prospect. And, and yeah, again, certainly, you know, Waddle's kind of a, a different breed type guy in what he's been able to do. Um, but I think Leary has the best chance to at least somewhat replicate that, if not, you know, be that guy for the Alabama offense.
2: As we let you out of here, Hank, this Alabama men's basketball recruiting class for the 2020-21 cycle continues to try to add some significant pieces. You know, in most years We would have looked at the commitment of J.D. Davison, the top point guard in the country, a top 10 national prospect is, well, that's that's a nice capper. That's you know, that's pretty much the extent. That's the ceiling for an Alabama men's basketball recruiting class. But, man, they're still heavily involved with a couple of uh, top 25 guys in Caleb Houston of Montverde Academy, also Charles Bediaco of IMG. Uh, What's the realistic possibility that Alabama ends up with at least one of those guys, if not both of them. And then what are we talking about ultimately for a ceiling for this class where the the national rankings are concerned?
3: Yeah. You know, it it seems very possible um, to get one of them. You know, I think, I think it's actually, I think you could probably say likely to say one of them, Um, you know, that being Charles Bediaco, at least at this point, you know, if you look at his 24 seven page, we got all our basketball analysts projecting him to Alabama at this point on the 24-7 sports crystal ball. So, you know, that automatically puts Bama, I believe, into the top 10. Then if you're talking about adding a guy like Caleb um, Houston, um, you know, he's he's a guy that would um, at this point in the recruiting cycle put Bama to number one. So, you know, that number one in football and number one in basketball in the recruiting. Range, obviously, you know, that's you know, that might be making a little bit of stretch right now. I think I think Caleb's a little bit more open. Um, I, I know he, he narrowed his list down to, I think, four, but I, I think he's, he's not in a huge rush. Whereas, you know, maybe, maybe Betty Accio is more um, heavily turning to Bama at this point. And then, you know, beyond that, you got guys like, you know, Wesley Cardett, the, the combo guard out of Orlando. He's a guy that's very high in Alabama. He's not that, you know, five-star ranked guy, but, you know, top 100 prospect in the country. So they're on some, some big-time guys. I um, you know, this, this class certainly seems like it, it has a chance to be the best ever for, for Alabama basketball.
2: Wow. Great stuff, as always, from Hank South. If you haven't already, give Hank a follow on Twitter, at HankSouth247. And, of course, catch all of his great work there with us at BamaOnline.com. Thanks a lot, Hank. We'll talk to you again soon. Anytime. Thanks, Travis. There he goes, Hank South, recruiting Back with more of a Monday edition of Southern Fried Sports, presented by Peter Brook Chocolatier, right here on Tide 100.9 FM, right after this. A mild afternoon, the sky partly sunny, the high 78. Tonight becoming mostly cloudy
0: with a low at 62. Tomorrow, a mix of sun and clouds, a small chance of a shower, the high 80. Wednesday, cloudy and breezy with rain much of the day. The high Wednesday at 78. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. The flagship station for Alabama Crimson Tide football. Alabama touchdown. Only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app.
2: On this day, 45 years ago, that guy right there played the second of two sold-out shows. Dodger Stadium. How about that? Chavez Ravine, as it's known there in the L.A. area. Elton John. I guess I was six when that happened. But I can tell you, between Pops and my mother, there was plenty of Elton being played. In the Buick or around the house, you name it. Soundtrack of the childhood right there. It's Southern Fried Sports on a Monday. Thanks again to Hank South, recruiting analyst for BamaOnline.com. Joining us in the previous segment, big news for the Alabama football program. Jaquincy McKinstry, five-star corner, commits to the Crimson Tide yesterday. You saw that on CBS HQ. Another five-star for Nick Saban, right? And we head into Mississippi State Week. And before we do that, said earlier in the show, I was going to talk about the Alabama defense a little bit from Saturday. I thought in terms of keeping the Tennessee run game at a level, a production level that was sustainable for Alabama defensively throughout the game, they did that, held Tennessee to under 140 rushing yards. That's about UT's average for the season. Um. It was it was manageable from that standpoint. The pass rush, and look, I know there's different ways of affecting the quarterback. We've heard Nick Saban talk about it a lot. We'll probably hear him talk about it again at the top of the hour. But no sacks in one quarterback hurry. You did have a pass deflection or two, I guess. And you know, when you're scoring points, you're taking the ball away and scoring points off of them. That cures a lot of what ails you. But at some point in the future at a critical moment in a game, Alabama will need to get a quarterback on the ground. And it did not happen once again. On Saturday, there were a couple times Jared Guarantano was sort of looking around, you know, like me at the seventh grade dance, trying to find just somebody that would dance with me. you know? And like me, he couldn't find any takers a couple of times. It's painful for Alabama fans on third and long and even fourth and long to have everybody covered up because you've got good corners. You've got a really good star defensive back and Malachi Moore, and you can't finish on the quarterback. And he runs, not Johnny Manziel, Jared Gorantano. And then Brian Maurer comes in and does it, you know? So I'm sure Freddie Roach, defensive line coach, Sal Senseri, outside linebackers coach, I'm sure they are borderline losing their collective minds right now. And yes, there are times where you see some flash. You know, Christian Barmore a couple times a game will give you some of that. Will Anderson, you understand he's a true freshman, still growing into things at Jack Linebacker. Uh, But they don't have that dude right now when it comes to consistency, not just in terms of not just in terms of pass rush either. Just guys up front. You know, you don't see a Quentin Williams or a Deron Payne type that requires a double team. Federian Mathis is doing a nice job. Proud of Federian. He sort of came into the season as a a depth provider. That was the thought of Federian. And he starts again on Saturday and does some nice things. But um uh, You know, there isn't that guy, there isn't that war daddy on a snap-in, snap-out basis that opposing offenses are having to game plan for. And that's why, you know, I hear people kind of get on the back end of the defense for the touchdown passes on Saturday. When you consider zero sacks and one quarterback hurry, 163 passing yards, that's not a lot. That's not a lot, you know? Other than the three big plays that UT had through the air, Grantano and Maurer averaged like 2.4 yards per attempt on Saturday. You'll take that. Again, especially with a pass rush that's not getting home. And you watch the game back and you see where Alabama's staff is trying to do some things to create some more of that. And on occasion, he gets burnt by it. Brought a safety blitz on a third and eight Saturday. Brian Branch, the true freshman in the game, they bring him on a safety blitz. And because Alabama doesn't consistently enough put quality tape out in terms of run fits and being able to defend the run on third down, you still got teams like Tennessee going to run it on third and eight. And that's what happened. You bring Brian Branch on on a blitz, uh, and Tennessee runs the, the draw play with Ty Chandler right by him. Stuff like that's going to happen when you got young players out there. You understand that. But there's other aspects of the play where there's not young players that if they were doing their job adequately, you would be able to cover for that. And it just doesn't seem as if Alabama's still to that point. It was okay. The tackling was better. You, know? you hold Tennessee to a few more than 300 yards on the day. You take that especially with this offense. You got a defensive score from Malachi Moore. There were positives, uh, but there's still plenty of work to do. Mississippi State Week coming up. What is it about Mississippi State Week, by the way? You know, it's like six degrees of Kevin Bacon, the actor. It seems like you can tie Kevin Bacon into about just about every aspect of Hollywood, whether it's actors, movies. You know, his connection just runs forever. Kind of that way with Mississippi State and Alabama of late where injuries are concerned. Lose Jalen Waddell last week, see Mississippi State this week. A year ago, lose Tua Tonga-Vailoa in the game in Starkville at Mississippi State. And guess who's making his first NFL start on Sunday for the Dolphins against the LA Rams? Tua Tonga-Vailoa. It's like six degrees of Kevin Bacon these days. With the Bulldogs and Alabama injuries. That's going to do it for a Monday edition of Southern Fried Sports. Been a lot of fun, as always. Appreciate Hank South joining us here on the program. Jacob Harrison, doing a great job, as usual, producing the show, making it at least somewhat listenable. We always appreciate the great work of Jacob. The lunch was on a Monday. We're going to get those uh, cases of Mondays taken care of for you taken care of for you at southern alehouse 1530 mcfarland boulevard north in the indian hill section of tuscaloosa get by there and get your week started with a yard bird chicken sandwich grilled chicken breast a big one too not a half breast a full breast you're gonna have american cheese on there you're gonna have thick cut hickory smoked bacon you're gonna have some arugula slap your mama sauce and then also that buttery soft brioche bun gonna take great care of you there Southern Alehouse, 1530 McFarland Boulevard, North, until 11 a.m. on Tuesday. Have a great rest of your Monday, everybody.